All right. Well, hey, it's so good to uh, see everybody here, everybody who made it here in the house. And uh, a lot of you who are watching, uh, just hello to you, whoever and wherever you are. Uh, so glad you're, you're joining us too. And maybe you're driving back or, or coming back from out of town as we all hopefully, hopefully enjoyed uh, our Thanksgiving weekend. I had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I deep fried a turkey for the first time, everybody. It was manly and awesome. Man, it was great. And I didn't burn down the house, so that was a win. You know what I mean? That was a win. And uh, we had a great time. And uh, so hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving as well. And today, uh, I'm really, really excited about this because we are actually in the last part of our Roman study. We made it. We made it 11 weeks, everybody. That's a long series for us uh, as a church uh, in one book. And so we're going to be wrapping that series up today, and we're going to get to that here in a few minutes. But right now, uh, I do want to put a few things uh, in front of us uh, uh, for, for you to look forward to and also for you to get ready for. Uh, so first off, uh, like I say, we're, we're landing the plane on Romans, and next week we're going to start a brand new Christmas series next week. And we're calling it, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's gonna be great. I just wanna get you ready for that. And, and here's what we're gonna do. We're actually gonna take a look uh, at the Christmas story uh, and we're gonna see it uh, through the eyes of eight different people uh, in the book of Matthew and Luke. And so it's gonna be a very classic uh, Christmas series. We're gonna be looking through the story there. And I think it's gonna be really, really good. I'm looking forward to that and looking through the characters of Christmas. Uh, and I also just wanna, again, just Carol talked about it, but I wanna talk one more time about our Christmas Eve services. Uh, just to get you guys uh, going on this. So we're having four services uh, on Thursday and Friday on the 23rd and 24th. Both are gonna be 436. It's the same service every time. Uh, and so I just wanna say this. Here's what I wanna say. We, uh, we wanna make this a great, great service. It's an awesome service. We wanna make it really good for you and your family and hopefully uh, for your friends, neighbors, who you invite. And so because of that, we just wanna make sure we have enough seats for everybody. Uh, so we still don't have all of our seats back in here and we wanna make sure that we have enough for all of you. And so why, that's why we're asking you to register, okay? We're asking you to get online. So go there, rivers.tv, Christmas, do it today. People have already started doing that. And so that's really good. And we're doing this for a few reasons. Uh, so one is we just want to know for us as a church so we could communicate with you. So next week, hopefully we can come up here and say, hey, the six o'clock service on Thursday is pretty full. And just so you know, we just wanna let you know. And for us to know, I think that would be really good. Uh, and secondly, uh, we also just want to make sure that, that it, it, you have a seat. Uh, now, this does not say that you can't come if you don't register. I want to make sure I'm really clear. You can come to whatever service you want. Even if we say Thursday at 4.30 is totally full, you can still come if you want. I don't know why, but you can come. Uh, and, and you just will try to help our, as best we can to find a seat. But uh, I just want to make sure that you know that. You don't have to have to register, but it'll be very helpful if you do that. So if you could do that, help us out today. Uh, start getting on there, register. And the good thing is when you get on there, when you get to uh, the River Ridge TV slash Christmas, you you'll actually see how many seats are left when you go to register. It'll tell you each service. It'll say, hey, we have 300 left here. We have 200 left here. So you'll know. I think it'll be really good. So just make sure uh, you do that. Okay, so, so now let's get back to it. Let's get to uh, the, the Roman series. So we're gonna, we're gonna end the series today. We're gonna, um, so here's where we're gonna go. We're uh, gonna uh, land the plane. And I thought a lot about this over the last couple weeks. We're gonna land the plane in a different way. We're not gonna go to one chapter of Romans. Uh, so here's what I wanna do. I wanna give us, uh, as we end this, a couple things 
to think about and a couple things uh, that are final thoughts, uh, maybe from Paul, from God, and from, and from how we want to land a plan on a series. Uh, one of the things that I get to do uh, as the teaching pastor at River Ridge Church is, is I get to actually lay out all the series, and I love that. It's one of my favorite things to plan and get the series ready, but one of the things that happens when I do that is there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't make it to the sermons. Uh, uh, and when we go into a series like this in the book of Romans with 16 chapters, there's a bunch of stuff uh, that's kind of left on the cutting floor. Uh, and so what I did uh, was I just kind of looked back and I got all that stuff together and it was a lot of stuff. It was really good stuff that we couldn't get to and it covered a bunch of different things like theology things, uh, history of Israel things, uh, practical living things with our faith. And But here's the thing, as I looked at it uh, and thinking about how we actually get done with this series, I actually found a commonality uh, in, in a list of things as I looked through uh, the entire book of Romans that I thought would be really good to look at and end with as we look to continue to grow and mature as Christians, okay? Now, before we get to that, uh, the word Christian is really interesting. I just wanna throw this up there really quick before we get to it. So here's where I wanna start. What would you say, if I were saying, hey, what does that mean to you? Do you have a good idea of what you would say? If I just said, what is that? What is a Christian? Uh, what is it that you would say? What does it mean to you? And here's the more important thing. More importantly, would somebody else have the same exact thought as you? Would everybody have the same definition with that word Christian? Truth is, here's the truth. Uh, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people right? It can mean a lot of things. And so you may know this. This isn't anything new. It's not something that I, you know, found new, but, but you might not know this. Uh, but here's the thing. When you actually, when you look it up in the Bible, the word Christian is actually only found three times in the entire Bible. Did you know that? Three times in the whole Bible. And where you find it, it's not even clearly defined, okay? It's just something interesting to know, uh, and some of you don't believe me, right? And you're gonna go look it up, and you're gonna go, like, blow the dust off your Bibles and, and see if, I, if I'm right, or you'll, you'll cheat and do a Google search. Uh, but either way, it's a win. You're gonna go look that up, hopefully. But it's true. You only find it three times. Uh, in fact... If you would have asked the guys that followed Jesus, the guys and gals that followed him in Jesus' day, uh, all the way up till he died and came back from the dead and ascended into heaven, and they would say, hey, so what do you call yourself? They wouldn't have said they were Christians either. They would have used uh, a different word. They wouldn't have said, I'm a Christian, because they weren't even the ones who chose that name. In fact, here's the first place that you actually find it. It's in the book of Acts uh, 11. It says this, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Okay, so they weren't even the ones who started. It was outsiders who started calling it, uh, them Christians. And so uh, this community of Jesus followers, they never used it to describe themselves. Uh, it was a label that others put on them. Now, now, here's what I wanna say. This is where I'm starting from. I'm not saying that we wanna like throw that word away or anything like that or not use it ever again. I just think it's interesting that the word Christian wasn't even used by the people who followed Jesus and you cannot find a clear definition of it. And I think that's why, maybe it's why we see that word misused often, redefined often, and actually abused in our world a whole lot. It's just, it's just a cool fact of the day. Uh, you, you know, maybe you could dazzle your friends with later, okay? That's only Christians only found three times in the Bible and see if they believe you, all right? Uh, now, when you look at the word disciple, that's a little bit different, uh, in fact, when you start to look up that word, you're gonna find it over 261 times, uh, actually 261, not over, 261 times in the New Testament. And here's what's great about the word disciple. It's clearly defined. It's clearly defined. Uh, the term disciple is, comes from the Greek word mathetes, mathetes, and here's what it means. It means learner, 
pupil apprentice. That's what disciple means, learner, pupil, apprentice. And so one of, the, one of the primary characteristics of a disciple that is vastly different from someone who may call themselves a Christian is, is, is this, is that a disciple uh, who is a learner or an apprentice, what they do uh, is they look at who they're learning from, right? That's the, the, the person they're learning from. And then they come and they ask, hey, I need to make a decision. I have something that I had to figure out. What would you do? I'll just do that. Like there's no yeah buts, there's no like I'll think about another way. A disciple is a person who looks and says, tell me how to handle this. And by the way, before you say anything, my answer to you is yes. I'm just gonna do whatever you say. Now, that's a little different, isn't it? That's a little different than how some people would say they're Christians or like, you know, uh, that, that they would say that that's their term. And, and here's who the disciples then uh, and today are learners or peoples from, Jesus. They are learners or pupils of Jesus, and that's still the same today. We are disciples of Jesus. That's the foundation uh, of our faith. And so here's how I thought we would end the series today. We looked at a lot of great things, but I thought I would just end by looking at what a life of faith looks like. And we're just gonna look at it through uh, the book of Romans. And, and this list that we're gonna do, if you get your notes, go ahead and grab those out there. This is not, you'll see six things. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just things that I came across as I looked through the whole book of Romans. And these are the things that just hit me as I thought about what does a disciple look like? What does a life of faith look like? And so this isn't covering everything, but I think it captures some thoughts that I think we can hang our hats on. And just another thing before we get to the uh, you know, as we go through these to review. Uh, here's the great thing about this list. There isn't one person in here who, or who is watching that is nailing every single one of these, all right? Not, not one of us is nailing all of these to a point where you can't find something to think about or wrestle with or be challenged in. And, and gang, that right there is, I think, what makes our faith so great. I think that Jesus always gives us things to be challenged in and, and it's not perfection, it's progress. And we wanna make progress in our faith and following Jesus. It's about Christ growing in me and changing me because here, here's God's desire for you. God's desire for every single person is that you grow, is that you just become more and more, I said this a few weeks, more and more like his son, Jesus. And that's why I love the Bible because the Bible, there's never gonna be a day in somebody's life where you don't need to read the Bible because you're just crushing it. You know, like that's why I love the Bible and I love the invitational God that we have. He's like, come on in, man, keep trying, keep working. There's grace, love, and, and, and truth for you to keep moving forward with him. All right, so let's get to it. Let's go to the first one. Hopefully you write all these down. And what I'm calling these is I'm calling these a faith to live by, all right? A faith to live by. So here's the first one that we're gonna look at. A faith to live by stays confident when difficulties come. Stays confident when difficulties come. Here's, here's where we'll find it. It's in Romans 5, uh, and I have the, the top there if you wanna keep filling that in. He says this. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And so the mark of a disciple, the first mark of a disciple uh, in, in following Jesus in his ways is actually seen in how you handle trials that come to your life. And so, so here's my question. When you evaluate your life, when you just look at your life, looking over the last past week, past year, you know, past decade or whatever you wanna look at, and you've come to a point where you've encountered a problem or a difficulty or a, diff a difficult circumstance, and, and by the way, everyone's had those. Every single uh, follower of Jesus has had these. Here's the question. How do you normally react? How do you normally react when these things come up? What is your natural reaction? Do you get positive or do you get negative? Do you get nervous or do you get calm? Are you uptight or are you reasonable? What does your life look like when turmoil comes? 
In chapter eight, later on, he says this. He says this in, in verse 28. He says, and we know that in all things, every single thing, all things that God works for the good, he works for the good of those who love them. And so he works all of them. And so, so we keep that in focus, that God works all things. Which ones? Every single thing, even horrible things together for the good of those who love him. Here's what that means, everybody, that he won't waste it that he won't waste it, that, that it's not for nothing, that you're not getting something wrong when something comes up, that you're not forgotten. He's working in you. And, if that's, you know, and if that's hard to see, if it's hard to get there sometimes, and if we're struggling and we can't see or imagine the good that can come from it, and trust me, gang, listen to me, I've been there. Like, I've been there in, in my faith, and then we just need to keep this in perspective. One more place, in verse 18 of chapter eight, he says, yet what we suffer, we gotta remember this, yet when we suffer now, it's nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Gang, there's no doubt about it. We are in the sufferings of this present time. I don't know if you knew that, it's real. That we will encounter these things. There are dark nights of the soul that exist for every believer and follower of Jesus. They will come. And here's the thing, Jesus confirms it. But here's the thing, as it comes, here's what we get to hold on to. We get to hang our hats on this, that we have the promise of glory to hold on to. It's a promise. It's a promise. And, and why this is so important uh, is because he's saying that even the worst pains, even the most difficult losses, even those things that like you're thinking right now that are just so raw, that are so raw, it's not worthy. Here's what he's saying, it's not worthy compared to remembering that you're gonna be in glory with Jesus one day. And you're gonna forget every single one of those that feels so raw today. And, and here's what we need to know. We just need to know this. And we need to think about this as believers, okay? Is that yes, we're in a fight. We are absolutely in a fight, it's real. But when we fight, listen, this is so important, you gotta remember this, is that you don't fight for victory, you fight from it. And that's totally different, amen, everybody? We fight from victory that's in us. And so you need to hear this, man, when you feel hopeless or helpless or, or when things seem super down, where you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I'm just done fighting. Like, I'm just done, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, here's what you need to know. Jesus has already won the battle, wasn't even close. And that same victory is in you in you to stay confident when those difficult things come. Amen, everybody? So that's the first thing that we wanna remember with a faith to live by. Here's a second thing that we live by. A faith to live by also aligns myself with God no matter what. Aligns myself with God no matter what. Here's Romans 12, two. We actually went through this in a series, but just wanna come at it from a different angle. He says this, let God transform you into a new person by this, changing the way you think. Then, you're gonna learn to know God's will for you. Where's God's will for you? It's in his word, it's, it's known as word, which is good and pleasing and perfect, all right? So a characteristic of a disciple uh, with God's word, the Bible, is here's the thing. We don't go in the Bible uh, with like a buffet style of living, right? We don't do that like when you go to the Chinese restaurant. Uh, Henry and I, my son Henry, he loves a Chinese buffet. He loves it, but this is great. It, it, could, be a chi it could just have three items on it and he'd be super happy, right? It's, it's sweet and sour chicken, noodles, and jello. That's it, that's all he gets. Why is there jello at every single Chinese? I'm glad, I'm grateful for it because Henry loves, he beelines for the jello. And I'm like, get some noodles. Okay, but we don't do that. We don't do that with our faith, man. We don't just take the stuff we like and then sort of ignore the stuff that may be challenging or difficult or uncomfortable or inconvenient, all right? When it comes uh, to the principles and the guardrails and, and the things of God and what he has to say about, listen, about your marriage, 
uh, about uh, your, your singleness, about your work habits, about your parenting, about your money, about your fill in the blank. Here's the thing, when it comes to these things, would you find yourself more often than not saying, well, here's what I think I should do versus, well, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. Gang, listen, this is our first core value at Riverish Church. You'll see it right when you walk in on the left side is that we literally believe that living God's way is better. We just believe living God's way is better. Now, here's why. We don't believe it because following the rules makes you a good person. That's not why we say living God's way is better. We believe living God's way is better because we honestly and wholeheartedly believe that when we line ourselves up with God and what he says, that our lives change for the better every single time. Every single time. That's what we believe, okay? But here's the deal. Here's what that means. It means you're gonna have to change some stuff, right? You're gonna have to change. You, you, there's no way that you're naturally just lining yourself up with God all the time. Anybody wanna say amen to that? Because I feel that all the time. But it means you gotta change some things. What do you gotta change? Man, you gotta change your perspective. You, got, you gotta change your priorities. You gotta change your expectations. You gotta change your way of doing things. And so let me ask you this. I just wanna ask you this. How willing have you been to change lately? How willing have you been to change? And what I mean is change in a sense of living God's way, not living my way, not living what I think, but living God's way is better. Living God's way in your marriage, in your personal life when nobody's watching, in your parenting, in your fill in the blank. Because gang, listen, because we know, right? We know that living God's way is better. And so we line ourselves up with God every single time. That's number two. Here's the third one that, that we want is faith to live by also is marked by peacemaking. Marked by peacemaking. Here's Romans 12, 17, 18. It says this, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, all right, with everyone, all right? So the mark of a disciple uh, is the presence of peace and the lack of negative conflict in your life. It's the, it's the presence of peace and a lack of negative conflict in your life. So, so here's what I wanna just, just to ask you again. I'm gonna ask some questions with each one of these. Looking at your relationships right now and, and the people that are close to you and even on that other outside circle, would you say you're finding yourself in more peace or more negative conflict with the relationships in your life? What are you seeing right now? How are you getting along with people in your life? How are you just getting along with people lately? Have you owned the conflict that you're in right now? Every one of us, every single one of us is faced with how we actually live our faith out, right? And now in this area, uh, you can actually do two things. There are two ways that you, wanna, that you wanna walk by. You can't do both of these at the same time. You either walk in pride or you walk in humility. You, you can't do both of those. And so here's what I wanna say. For those of us who are Jesus followers, who are disciples of Jesus, we just look to Jesus and we see what he did. And here's how Jesus lived. He constantly humbled himself, everybody. Constantly, constantly humbled himself. And so that's what we do as well. We live in, in, out of humility. And that by its mark, man, will, will make us peacemakers in this world. So, so here's what peacemakers do. If you're curious, uh, they do four things. You might wanna write these down. Here's what peacemakers do when they're in conflict because here's what you're gonna learn. Conflict is like uh, neutral. Conflict, you're just gonna have conflict in your life. You're gonna have conflict with the best relationships that you have, okay? There's gonna be conflict. But here's what peacemakers actually do. You might wanna write these down. They speak honestly and lovingly. Underline lovingly, okay? Because a lot of us speak honestly and we forget that second part, everybody, but the peacemakers make sure that it's loving. So we speak honestly and lovingly. They say sorry when they're wrong. They say sorry when they're wrong. Here's a third one. This is a big one. You ask questions and you're quick to, to listen. Ask questions and you're quick to listen. 
and then you allow God room to work. Those are the four things, okay? So, so you speak honestly and lovingly, say sorry when you're wrong, ask questions and you're quick to listen and you allow God room to work. And I'm telling you, peace will come every time when, when you come there, okay? And, and so here, I just think about this one. I just want you to think about this one before we get to the next one. I mean, honestly, if you just look at your relationships, every single one of them, every single, even at work and people, you're like, ugh. Like even those like, ugh, like those people, right? Like if you were at true peace with everybody, how much more manageable would your life be? You know what I mean? Like how many less ulcers would you have? I'm just saying like that, this is a very practical thing and that's what he's getting at, man. He's saying that's what you go after. This is what we do. A faith to live by lives in peace, goes after peace in the relationships that we have. So that's the third one. Here's a fourth one. The faith to live by means that I love everybody everybody for the sake of the gospel, okay? That we love everyone, all right? Here's what Romans 13 says. It says this. It says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. And so a mark of us, someone who's living for Jesus, is that when you're confronted with people and not just the ones you like, all right, even the ones like the man ones, like even those, like you're marked by how you love them, okay? Uh, and, and what we do is we look and we take our cues from Jesus and how he was with people and how he loved sinners and how he loved hard to get to, to love people. And so we say, okay, I'm just gonna do the same. I'm gonna do the same as Jesus and I'm gonna understand here's the big key gang I'm going to understand the difference versus uh, with acceptance versus approval I'm going to understand the difference between acceptance and approval because what we have to understand is that you can accept someone without condoning what they're doing you can absolutely love someone and and still not approve of what they're doing you can love them as a human being right it's okay to do that and it's our call it's our call to do that in fact in Mark 12 in Mark chapter 12, there's a guy that came up to Jesus. And he goes, all right, dude, what, you tell us what the most important, like what does God see as most important? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, all right, I'll tell you. The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, greater than these. So, so our part, this, our part, here's our part. Our part is just loving people. Jesus is like, I'm gonna make it really easy for you. Our part is loving people. Jesus's part is dying for them and dealing with their sin, everybody. You hear me? That's his part. Don't try to be Jesus in somebody else's life. That's what he's trying to say. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we can understand the difference between acceptance and approval. Uh, you, you will never run into a person. I've said this plenty of times, so has Chad, so has Blair. You have never run into a person who wasn't created by God, loved by God, and made in his image. And you will never ever meet eye to eye with somebody who Jesus did not die for. And so our call is to love them and just love them and love them, okay? So that's the fourth one. Here's a fifth one, that a faith to live by understands temptation and flees. Understands temptation and flees. So here's where we find this. It's in Romans 13. It says this, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. So don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. 
Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that line. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires, okay? So uh, here's, here's the thing about temptation. It is not a sin to be tempted. Everybody's like, amen. You know, it is not a sin to be tempted, but it is a sin to give in to that temptation. The Bible, the Bible says that Jesus was even tempted, but it says, and yet he did not sin. He didn't even give in. Uh, I heard someone say this about uh, temptation and it stuck with me through the years. And he says this about our thoughts. It always helps me. He says this, you are not responsible for the thoughts you have, but you are responsible with what you do with them. You, you know what I'm saying? Like that always helps me. Like, cause sometimes I get thoughts where I'm like, I don't want that thought, but, but so I'm not responsible for this, but I am responsible for what I do with those. And so it's not what the attraction is. It's not what the attraction is. It's what you do with it that marks your maturity in Christ. Because here's what maturity says with the attractions and the temptations that life brings. Maturity says, I'm not gonna act on my attraction. I'm gonna act on my commitment that I made to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna act on my commitment to God. I'm gonna stay in the principles and the promises of God. I'm not gonna compromise and I'm not gonna take a shortcut. That's maturity, gang. That's what it is. We're, we're not middle schoolers anymore. Like we, we can, we're grownups, we're, we're big boys and girls and we say, I'm not just gonna do what I wanna do. I'm not gonna act on the attraction. So I might, for instance, this is just like, I'm just thinking, I might, for instance, have an attraction to slap some people in the face a little. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I might want to, I'm not naming names. I'm just saying there's some people, all right? But, but what, I, what, what I have to say is like, just because I'm attracted to do it does not give me license to do it because I'm a grown-up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't act on what I want to do. Gang, you don't always get to do what you feel like doing. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. Uh, that's just the truth. And that's called maturity and having God in the right place in your life. And this is a huge one, gang. This is a huge one because... I don't know if you know this or not, temptation will never go away. You know that? It will never go away. I mean, in your finances, in your relationships, in your intimacy needs, in your companionship, in your progress in life. But a faith to live by is understanding what temptation is and trusting God that he will provide what we absolutely need. That's the thing. That's why people give in to temptations. We actually stop trusting God to give us what we need. But maturity says, no, God, you will give me what I need. I'm not gonna take the shortcut in this life. So that's what we do. Here's the next one. A faith, this is the last one. A faith to live by contributes to the one and others. A faith to live by contributes to the one and others. I love this one to end with because in the Bible, in the New Testament, New Testament, there are almost 60 one another's. There are almost 60 one another's. And so what I did was I looked through Romans and I actually came across eight of them. Uh, and so here they are. Uh, you just look at them really quick and there's just some really great ones. Where I looked at love one another, uh, there's be devoted, there's honor, live in harmony, uh, don't judge one another, you know, be like-minded. There's some really, really good ones there. And, and here's what I wanna say about the one another's. I checked every single one of them, all right? And not one of them as a footnote says, hey, you're, you don't have to do it as long as somebody else is doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, if Pastor Andy's doing it, you're off the hook, okay? Like, we, this is an all-in, all of us are doing, that's the only way it works actually, uh, that, that all of us are committed to doing these one another's, that we're doing this. And so here's what I wanna say. So for us, for us as a church, like our church, you, you could be at this church. You could be at this church. You could come here. You could watch from wherever you're watching from. And we're so glad that you can. We're glad you could come in and we literally are a place where everybody's welcome and you can watch there wherever you're watching and you could decide that this is a great community to be a part of. 
that this is a uh, Jesus-following, Bible-believing church, and that you could be a part of this, and you can experience a lot by just coming. Honestly, you really can, and we're glad that you can, or just even by watching, that you can experience uh, quite a bit. But, but here's what we also know with these one another's. We also know uh, what exists in the deeper waters of intentional community. We know what exists in there. Uh, that's where a lot of one another's uh, happen that you just can't uh, get uh, in experience in big church or watching online. I'm, I'm not knocking this stuff, but I'm just saying that's where we know these one another things happen that are harder to happen in big church. There's a unique growth that happens. There is a different experience with God. There is a, uh, a, a different kind of healing that happens when you're kind of in an intentional circle with people who, are, who know you and, and who are praying for you and, and talking about life and, and slowing down for a hot minute and just saying, how are you doing? Like, how can we pray? There's a lot of one another's that happen. That's why we have small groups. That's why we talk about them a lot. And you don't just, being in a ridge group isn't the only way that you accomplish that. That's just how we help you do that. But I mean, you could do it at work, with, at lunch with some people. You could do it with the coaches that you coach with in the circle. You can just get together with some people in your neighborhood, whatever that looks like, and just, just stop for a little bit, talk about God, get going in your relationship with him, wrestle with the Bible a little bit. And I'm telling you, those one another's, and we do it by serving as well, but, but we just control Contribute. That's how we live our life of faith. We contribute to the one and others. Now, that's a pretty good list, right? That's a pretty good list. And that's a list that you can look at. Uh, get it up there. That's a list that you can look at, and that's a list that we can live by. And, and I think if you go after that list, uh, the one through six there, uh, you can't go wrong uh, if you go after that list, okay? But here's what I wanna tell you as we get ready to, to, to end. That list does not make you a disciple. And some of you are like, thank you, because two and four are eating my lunch right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that is not what makes you a disciple. And, and so here's what I want to say. This is a good list, but, but that's not what Jesus is going after. So what, what is Jesus going after? What is he really going after? Like, if we were to boil that down all the way down, what would you say that Jesus, this is what I want to go after? Well, I'm glad you asked, because here's what Jesus said. One day he got his guys together, and here's what he said. He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. I'm gonna give this to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, by this one thing, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so, so Jesus comes with all this list stuff and all these things, and it's not bad to have that list, but he's like, hey man, you, you wanna be my disciple? Like, you really wanna follow me? Like, I, I, I'm hearing you say that, that you believe in me and that you're saying that you're a Christian, but you want the world to know? You want the world to know? That's what he's saying to the guys. He's like, all right, get together. Come on, circle up here. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna make this really simple. This is how the world's gonna know. Love each other. Love each other really well. If you wanna change the world in my name, I want you to love each other for real, like, crazy love. That's what I want you to do. I want you to pour out so much love for each other that it pours out into the world that the world's not going to even know how to deal with it. They're not going to know what to do with it. When you do this one thing, listen to what he says. The world's going to know that you're my disciples, that you're my followers for real. I mean, can you see the power in Jesus' words right there? That's pretty amazing. He's like, I'm going to boil it all down to one thing. By this one thing, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love 
for one another. Gang, listen, if we could just do this, if we could just as a church, a small church in this little corner of the world, just grasp that one idea of Jesus, I believe God could do amazing things. Anybody agree with me? He could do amazing things if we just love each other. And so that's what Jesus is saying. It's awesome. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, how about we just love each other so much first? Just let's just start there. Because that list, those other things, they'll probably become way easier to do. And I love this, gang, because listen, that's a start we can all take. We could all take that start. We could all start right at that starting line and we could take off. But here's what it really takes, everybody. This is what I'm gonna ask of you in the next few minutes. It does take a church uh, being intentional with this and, and putting the most important things as most important and you're united around the right things. And so I believe that about our church, that that's what we wanna be united around and what we, what we want to be about. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. I will make a commitment to you I'm gonna make a commitment to you that I will try my best to love you well, okay? That, that I, when I decided to take this job, that, that, that I knew I was gonna make a commitment to love my church and I wanna love you well. I'm gonna be a crazy lover of my family first. I'll make no bones about that, all right? But I'm gonna love you as well. I'll commit that to do my best to love you and, and pray for you and, and do my best to be here for you and, and, and do whatever I can to help you and equip you and, and get you passionate about following Jesus. And, and here's what I also I know, man. I know this about our staff. I just got emotional and everything. They, they'll do it too. Like I, I have no, I, like I don't even have to ask them. That when they made that commitment, I know that that's what they wanna do. They, they made a commitment to, to go after Jesus, man. And they made a commitment to love you as well. And we're gonna, listen, man, as a, we are gonna stumble, uh, we're gonna make mistakes. And, and, and so, because we're human beings, but I'm telling you, we made a commitment. We wanna love you well. We wanna do our best to love you and follow Jesus and do that. Now I'm gonna ask you this, I wanna ask you, I wanna ask you, will you do your best to love your family in this body of believers? That's what I wanna end with. Will you do your best to love this body of believers that, that we look past our faults, right? That we realize uh, that we're on the same team, that we get united, united around Jesus. And, and it's so much so that people from the outside look at that and they go, man, I'm not sure I believe what, as much as they believe, but dang, I wanna be around those people. Like, I mean, look at their marriage. Like, look at how they live their life. Look at their integrity at work. Like, look at what they're doing at practice. Look at what they're doing at that game where they're not really yelling. You know what I mean? Like, look at them and what they're doing. And, and, and so that's what I want to say. And, and they just say, man, look at him. Look at how they're loving each other. And that's what Jesus said. I'm telling you, this is it. This is it, gang. There's something attractional about it. This is crazy. There's something different about it. Isn't that crazy? And it doesn't mean it's all gonna work out in the next 24 hours. We're not gonna have like 24 days of loving each other. Like I wish that it was that easy where it was like 24 days and we'll be loving each other that well. But we gotta work at it, right? We gotta help each other. We gotta, we gotta pick each other up and we gotta look past our faults. That's the biggest one. And realize we gotta love each other really well. And because listen, that's what Jesus told us to do. I just showed you, that's what he said. That's how we live. And so we can do this and we can help each other do this one thing. This one thing, that list is important. I'm telling you, that list is something good to go after. But man, he's just saying, just do that. Just do that. And, and they'll know they're, they're, that we're the real deal. And God will do, I believe this, I hope you do. He will do amazing things if we do that. Do you believe that? I totally believe that. He, he will do amazing things in this place. And I believe we can do it. I believe in our church. I think we got a great church of people that will go after this together. It's a, that's a faith to live by. So really it's not six things, it's one. So just throw that away. And uh, just look at that one thing. You throw the outline away. All right. Oh, just kidding. Put that on your fridge. All right, let's pray. God, we need you. We need you. You're a great God. You, you are just so awesome. And you give us great things to do. And, and, and Jesus, we thank you so much for just making this simple. 
making this so simple, is that, that if we really want to know what it looks like to follow you, that, that it comes from love, that we want to love each other so well, and we want to follow you, and, and we want to do what you want us to do. And so I pray that we welcome you into our lives. I pray that we welcome you into our marriage. I pray that we welcome you into our relationships, our parenting in this community of believers because we need your power to love like you tell us to love. We need your help. We need your forgiveness. We need your grace and mercy. And so we welcome you one more time into this church. And and I pray that we could just go after this wholeheartedly, all in, doing these one another's so well that the outside world looks and says, man, I don't know uh, what that is, but I wanna be a part of it. So work on us to do that. We love you and we pray for this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope this has been a great series for you. And I'm really looking forward to next week. We're gonna start a brand new Christmas series. So hope to see you next week. See you next week, everybody.